Welcome to the Teachers on Fire podcast, where I profile agents of growth and transformation in education today. Each guest shares their highs, their lows, their passions, their goals, and the resources that are shaping their thinking and inspiring their practice. For show notes and links from each episode, visit teachersonfire.net. You can also follow the show at Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Tim Cavey. Let's meet today's guest. Today, I'm speaking with Janelle McLaughlin. Janelle is a keynote speaker, education consultant, strategist, and educational leadership coach. She is a former classroom teacher, district administrator, and high ability coordinator. She loves to learn, laugh, connect, and make completos. <laughs> Follow Janelle on Twitter at ms underscore mac4 and on her website at innovativeeducationsolutions.net. Janelle, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Are you ready to talk education? Tim, I always love to talk about education. I don't think there's any topic that energizes me more. Phenomenal. Well, that sounds like you're bringing the fire today, so I look forward to getting into this. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit more about your current context in education? What does your typical day look like? Well, my typical day looks different depending on um, where I am and what I'm doing. So I work a lot from home when I'm not on the road. And so today it was me locking myself in my office so that my uh, children who are home on summer break would give me a little bit of space to get a bunch of work done. Um, But last week I was on site in Texas working with a new cohort of teachers to launch a project-based learning initiative. Um, And a couple weeks before that, I was meeting with a digital learning team in Florida to help them build a framework and a vision around integrating technology in an authentic way with teachers in the classroom. And then I also provided one-hour workshops on how to use student choice and voice to increase creativity in the class. So there's just a huge wide variety of what my typical work week looks like. You touched on some juicy topics there, and I hope we are able to come back to some of those. And you also have a bird's eye view of what is going on across the country. So I'm sure we'll get into that as well. But first of all, Janelle, it's story time. So please share with us about a low moment or an experience of adversity that you faced somewhere in your teaching or education career and describe how you overcame it. Tim, I knew this was going to be a question just from being a regular listener of your podcast. And every time I hear your guests talk about it, there's one moment in my own career that just is an obvious standout. It's also somewhat challenging to talk about. And so I I was thinking through whether I really wanted to share about this, but uh, I have to because I think that it's one that's very valid. And like I said, it it stands out. So a few years ago, while I was the curriculum director, I was faced with working with a boss um, who was an extremely poor leader. And that's going to be like a huge understatement. So his morals and values were not in alignment with mine. Um, He didn't put students and teachers first he was almost like Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, it was it was a really difficult situation to be in. And it took me a few years just to realize the, the complete level of toxicity surrounding me in that environment. So um, after three years, I got to just this place where I had to quit and I quit without having a job lined up following that. I've never quit a job for any kind of reason like that. The only time I'd ever quit a job before was because I was moving. <laughs> you know, so this was, I found myself in a situation that I didn't really know what to do. 
and those three years had taken a toll on me mentally and physically. And so it was just this time of reflection and rebuilding and trying to decide what's next for me. During that reflection, I realized my favorite parts of being the curriculum director all involved working with the teachers and principals in my district. And I worked for a very small district. So when I say curriculum director, I I always kind of joke that I did everything that the superintendent didn't want to do, which was his entire job. So I did like far more than just um, develop curriculum. And I was the one in charge of um, helping principals plan for their, their schools, for their teachers. I provided professional development workshops. I, I helped facilitate and coordinate different professional learning opportunities for all of the educators in my district. And those were the pieces that stood out to me. And I think it goes back to, uh, I, I'm just a very relational leader. And even in the classroom, I always put relationships first and then moving into a leadership role outside of the classroom I continue to put relationships first. And so those experiences are what um, led me to think about consulting. And so what got me through that, that really difficult transition was my incredible support system. And then also meeting the right people at the right time that helped uh, making a consulting company a real possibility. I love that story. And I've heard similar stories, but I think it's worth repeating that if you are in a toxic environment, if you are in a place that is very negative and isn't offering much room for growth, sometimes it is okay to step outside of it, right? Even Mm -hmm. if, as you put it, there is no next step visible. And I'm so grateful that in your case, stepping completely outside of that context gave you the clarity to sort of redefine your mission and your vision. And it sounds like you're in a much, much better place, obviously, today, a place that energizes you and aligns with your your true passions. Absolutely. And I, I tell people that I've never had an experience where I've grown as much as I have in these last four years as a consultant. But what got me to this point was that period of adversity. And I would never wish that kind of experience on anyone, but I definitely feel stronger and more impassioned from having to go through it. Janelle, you wrote, recently wrote an insightful piece about the highs and lows of professional development. And for our audience, you can read her thoughts on her blog at innovativeeducationsolutions.net slash blog, or you can listen to her read her post on episode seven of the new teacher blogs podcast. Janelle, speak more to this whole idea of helping educators learn and grow in their practice. What are some of the shortcomings of pro D as you see it today? And where would you like to see it go from here? Well, obviously, this is my my whole work, right, is developing and providing professional learning opportunities for educators at all levels. But I, I go back to a time when I was a curriculum director, and I was fairly new on Twitter. Um, And I was super excited by all the learning I was finding there. And I was sharing it with a group of teachers that I I knew I had a relationship with them already. But basically, I was saying, hey, in 15 minutes, I can jump on Twitter and I can find value in that short amount of time. And it's because I'm following the right people. And it might be something inspiring that they um, posted. But mostly it would be blog posts or um, links to articles that people were sharing and I was just excited to share this, this place of learning with fellow educators. And one lady looked at me and she said, you expect me to do that on my own time? <laughs> and I was so shocked. That was my um, 
my, that was my realization that not everybody felt the same way I did about learning. You know, when you are in the classroom, you get to just have those rose colored glasses that everybody thinks and, and acts like you as far as their own growth. Right. And then you move into a different position and you realize that's not true. But, but what I took away from that after I like mumbled through something to get out of that, that situation, because I, I was so taken aback, what I took from that is, yes, like I do think that we should be growing our craft in our own time. And I feel like if people don't want to do that, then they probably need to look for a different career. If we're telling students that we expect them to be engaged and excited and own their own learning, then we need to be doing that as adults. But I I do believe that that needs to start at the highest level. So I get to work one-on-one with teachers all the time. Most of my work is, is centered around job embedded coaching, where I get to go into the classroom and either model or co-teach or observe a teacher. And then we have this very um, intentional period of reflection and debrief afterwards and I get to do that multiple times throughout a school year with these teachers. And the, the growth and transformation I get to witness all the time are phenomenal. I think that that job embedded coaching is the number one professional learning opportunity that we could be providing for our teachers. The thing is, not very many districts provide that for their leaders. So I get to work with teachers doing incredible things with their students in the classroom, but their principals don't always understand what we're doing. And then even beyond that, the district leaders don't always necessarily understand what's going on. Um, and I, I think the larger the district, the more breakdown you have there because there's, it's just such a huge organization. So what I want to see happening are district and building level leaders investing in their own growth and then being vulnerable at, sh- at showing that to the people that are working for them and with them. I think they need to be models of that professional growth. And I would love for districts, of course, to be able to invest as much money as possible in the professional development of their staff. I think our, our teaching is only as good as our continued learning goes. And so what are we offering them? Is it, is it just bringing in a speaker to talk at people for a day <laughs> or an hour? And then there's no follow-up. T- teachers and educators at all levels need that continuous support. So even when I go in and work with people, my job is also to build capacity of the district on-site people to be able to provide continuous support in between my visits or after I'm done working with that district. So I think it just all goes back to, I want professional development to be personalized for each person and ongoing support provided for that. Janelle, this past year, it was my 18th year in education as a teacher in the classroom, and I had an experience that I had never had before, and that was an instructional coach right in my classroom. And this is a fairly new position for my school, and so her job was to sort of cycle through all of the classes over the course of the year and spend a few weeks with each teacher for, you know, certain subjects. And just the opportunity to have someone in my classroom, in my practice, who I felt was completely on my team, that's really important, right? And so it's not a gotcha kind of a thing. It's not a an evaluative experience at all. It's more of... Hey, okay, so what are we doing today? So why are you making that choice? So 
just a lot of good thinking questions and conversations. And I learned so much <laughs> just, just from having, and shout out to Kathy Holmes, just uh, from having her in my classroom for a few weeks. And that was a first. And that's remarkable when you think about it. I mean, I've been evaluated and observed before, but I've never had a partner right there beside me. And so the point that I want to come back to is I, I feel like, as you said, at any level, including, you know, all levels of administration, and the highest levels in the district, just that opportunity to have someone right there beside you to ask those thinking questions and to offer suggestions or alternative perspectives, I feel like that can only be a good thing. Now, thinking about the services that you offered, are there opportunities for district leaders, principals to work with you by phone or by distance kind of relationships as well? Absolutely. So that is one of the things that I think is important um, especially for people at the building and district level, it's really hard for them to give up face-to-face time, right? Um, it's hard for anybody, teachers included, but at least with teachers, I get to go into the classroom. I'm not asking them to come out, but absolutely. I, I do video and phone conferences all the time. Um, I've also led webinars for district level teams before when they want the entire team to get the same message at the same time. So there are always virtual learning possibilities. That's the that's the beauty of the digital world today. Um, nothing is too far away or, or um, too difficult. So that that absolutely happens. And your your experience with the instructional coach, um, I love that. And more and more districts are adding instructional coaches, uh, which is phenomenal because you need those people on site to be able to um, help guide and support. What I have found is a lot of instructional coaches come straight from the classroom themselves and don't necessarily have coaching experience. And so right. they need that they need that support as well um, to be able to support the teachers they're working with. But that's awesome that you had such a great experience with that. Oh, it was so good. And that makes a lot of sense, what you just said, that even the instructional coaches need to be coached in terms of asking the right questions and not being, I don't know, too aggressive or, or you know, making sure that teacher or that mentee feels safe and feels valued and respected in their practice. Very cool. Well, as you look across your PLN, Janelle, and your own practice, and you mentioned you have the privilege of traveling all over the country these days, what is setting you on fire about education today? We talked about uh, changing professional development and new coaching opportunities. Is there anything else that is really catching your attention? Do you know what what always sets me on fire? And Tim, this is going back to my whole like need for relationships, but I, I am so energized when I get to meet other people that are passionate about education. And I think when we are, I'm going to speak from my own experience, when I was working just in one district as a teacher and then as an administrator, I was somewhat limited to the views of just the people in my district. That's, that started to widen as I got connected on different social media sites. And, and I think it would be different now going back into it. But I, I didn't realize how many other passionate educators there were out there. And so that's one of the things that excites me is that I get to work with people who love education all the time. The people <laughs> that work with me are, are typically ones that want to work with me. Every once in a while, I, I work with people who are voluntold <laughs> that they have to do it. But most of the time, people want to be there. And so they're hungry for what's going to make teaching and learning the absolute best possible. And, and that is what sets me on fire is seeing other people fired up for education. 
And a lot of the stuff I do is about authentic learning experiences around digital integration. And I think that's one of the most exciting things about education today is that our teachers are no longer expected to be the sole experts in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You have all these resources available to connect your students to other students around the world to give them those experiences or provide virtual field trips for them to places that they may never physically get to go to. Um, But then on top of that, just connecting themselves with people. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have this PLN that's worldwide. I mean, how exciting is that? And just 10 years ago, I would not have expected to be talking with people in different countries to grow my own practice. So that's one of the things that is so exciting for me just to be an educator today. I love both of those themes that you brought up, the digital learning opportunities and the fact that there are so many passionate leaders and educators out there. And I feel like that is edu Twitter in a nutshell. I know that's why you love it as well as you know, when you do network with these other educators, most of the people you find on Twitter are the sort that are incredibly passionate about the the profession, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. And that just can't help but inspire you. And, you know, I, I think I first created a Twitter account years ago. And, and like many, it, it just sort of sat there dormant for a long time. And once you start to get just a little bit more involved and connected, and once you sort of get that aha moment, I I saw Sarah Johnson post something about that yesterday. You know, there's sort of a growth cycle with Twitter and the whole activity around PLNs. But once you start to get it and you catch fire with other educators, it is transformative. So love what you shared there. Janelle, as a consultant, as someone who is teaching teachers, How are you looking to push yourself professionally and improve your practice next year? Can you share with us about a specific professional goal or project that you're currently working on? Uh, I would love to. So I'm a big believer in goal setting. And that's something that every person I work with has to do (laughs) is go through a goal setting exercise. And so I think it's important that I'm practicing that as well. Um, And I, I always have all these like mini goals as far as feeding my own learning. But something that I've been working on for longer than I would like to admit right now is writing my first book. Yay. And it's a yeah, I'm I'm super excited about it and I feel like I have lots and lots of different messages to share, but this one is um, the one I chose to start with. The problem is I get super intimidated, which is funny because I've been writing for years as far as blog posts and articles for different publications, but to put it all together in a book is really intimidating. And then uh, when I have all these other priorities, it gets pushed down the priority list. So I've got this renewed goal that I'm going to have it finished by the end of, of 2019. Uh, which makes me a little bit sick to my stomach to even say that out loud. But that is my professional goal on a on a very personal project right now. Well, even if you just uh, chip away at it in every departure lounge and on every flight, I'm sure you'll you'll make steady progress and look forward to that. You know, I hear around Edu Twitter or maybe in in some of the entrepreneurship podcasts that I listen to that. A book or having a book is the new business card, right? It sort of defines who you are for people. And and so that sounds like a really exciting step. I'm kind of jealous. Janelle, outside of education, what's another area of learning for you? What is it that ignites your passions when you leave the whole area of education? And and what else brings you alive as a human being? So my my favorite things to do when I get free time, which I, I 
constantly say that with being a consultant, I have so much freedom and flexibility in my schedule. However, it's also really easy to work nonstop. Right. And um, so my, my favorite things to do to unwind are just all kinds of exercise. I like all different kinds of exercise because it helps me just mentally check out of whatever is on my mind to focus on just staying healthy physically. But um, I also love to read completely for pleasure. I read so much professional literature. So um, when I just need a break, I'm totally reading, reaching for some type of fiction. But what I what really energizes me and gets me most excited are my kids. I have a 16-year-old and an almost 13-year-old, and they're super busy and involved in life. And so um, when I get to spend time with them, that's my very favorite thing to do. Very sweet. And uh, I can resonate with that. I've got two teenagers here at home as well. Janelle, share about a personal habit or a productivity hack that contributes to your success. And, and you seem, you, you sort of project like that ultra-organized self-starter. So I look forward to, to hearing this. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And I go back to even as a classroom teacher, I maximized every available minute I had. I actually, um, a little side note, but I actually job shared with another teacher when my son was an infant. Um, where I taught three days a week and she taught two days a week. And that was, gosh, 11 years ago. And she just told me in May, we're still friends, of course, but she said, the organizational strategies that you taught me during that time are things that still help me be effective today. Hmm. So um, I, I've always focused on that. But my biggest productivity hack at the moment are podcasts. <laughs> I'm not just saying that because I'm here with you, but um, I spend a ton of time in the car and I, I have Sirius XM. And so it's really easy to just listen to music. And it was about a year ago, I'm, I was making regular three hour drives to the Chicago area. And I thought, mm, I need to be using this time for something more productive. And I started finding really good podcasts. And yours was one that was uh, recommended to me very early on by Jeff Kubiak. And so I've been, a, I've been a regular listener, but I tend to binge listen to my podcasts when I have those long drives. And I'll, there's about three that I make sure that I'm always um, current on. And then I have others that are on that list that if I have time, I get to plug those in. Um, and then I also use workouts. If I'm on a bike ride or a walk, then I'll, I'll pick a podcast because they're typically the exact right length for that. So I get to feed my learning and consume great information um, on times that would otherwise be kind of mindless downtime. Well, thanks for that, Janelle. It's time for your quick picks. And here we want to know the education voices and resources, speaking of resources and podcasts that are shaping your practice and inspiring your thinking today. So we're starting with a tough one. And I know all for, for any of us, how do you pick one person on Twitter? But let's start there. Tell us about someone we should follow and share why they've been inspiring you lately. So it is really hard to pick one. <laughs> but I just mentioned my friend Jeff Kubiak. And um, I love everything that he's doing right now um, on Twitter surrounding his new book, One Drop of Kindness. And it's a picture book, but it's a message for all ages. And I, I don't feel like it can be shared enough. Um, my husband actually just got a new job as an elementary guidance counselor. And I, I said, you have to take this book and read it to every single class at the beginning of the year. Right. So um, definitely check out Jeff and all the cool stuff that he's doing around that message. 
And on that note, make sure you tune into the Teacher Blogs podcast. Jeff uh, recently read one of his blog posts, and he does talk about one drop of kindness as well. Point us to an EdTech tool that you currently love using somewhere in your professional practice, Janelle. So probably about two months ago, I don't know, it could be longer, I discovered Wakelet. I had been seeing people tweet about Wakelet, but I had not really taken the time to explore it. And honestly, I don't know um, how, but one of the people that worked there reached out to me and did did an online demo with me, which was super fun and helped me to realize exactly how I could utilize it. But it's one of my new organizational go-tos. If you don't know about Wakelet, it's fantastic personally for curation and organization, but there's so many application um, points in the classroom that you can use as a classroom teacher with your students. That's a good one. And is that something, do you utilize Wakelet in your presentations as well? You know what? I haven't yet. I probably need to start doing that. I've talked about it in different presentations. I haven't actually used it yet, but that's a great idea. <laughs> I'm asking because I'm not that familiar with it. I've gone in there and played with it. And and like you, I had someone reach out from Wakelet to offer to give me a demo as well. So Obviously, a very helpful startup or, or company. I don't know if they can still be called a startup. Yeah, for sure. And what's fun is um, Callum. I don't know if he's the one that reached out to you, but Callum reached out to me on Twitter from Wakelet. And then I got to meet him in person at ISTE. So that's always fun <laughs> when you get to connect with people face to face. Yeah. So they are they are doing some great things at Wakelet. Make sure you experiment with Wakelet. And I'll try to get into that more this year as well. Recommend a book, Janelle. We talked about books and we talked about the fact that you are reading a lot professionally, but your recommendation doesn't have to be an education title. What is one of your faves that you would pass on to our listeners? Well, I just finished The Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive by Patrick Lencioni. And he was an author recommended to me probably a year and a half ago just on leadership materials. It has nothing to do with education uh, per se. Like it's not written for education. However, there are such direct implementation points to everything that we do. I think it's especially good for anyone at the district or building level of leadership. A little less application for the classroom teacher, but the thing that I love about it is the whole first half of it is written as a fable. So it's, as somebody who loves to read fiction, it reads really quickly. And then the second half of the book are direct application um, tips and strategies for just enhancing leadership. Janelle, I know you are a podcast listener and and you are a listener of this podcast. So thank you for that. Tell us about another one, another great podcast that you've got in your deck on the regular. Yeah, absolutely. As one of my short lists is the In Auto Rise podcast by Sarah Johnson. Uh, She's just a phenomenal leader herself, but what she does is give power and amplification to other um, leaders through her podcast. She highlights women leaders, which... Um, I think it's important just because there are still too few females in leadership positions. And there's kind of a unique, um, a unique perspective that comes from being a woman in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. And she does a fantastic job just amplifying their, their voices. Amazing, amazing host and former guest of this podcast. And I actually have to hear back from Sarah about whether her phenomenal run streak is still intact. I know she had an ankle 
problem earlier this week, so we have to check in with her. But make sure you tune into the In Awe to Rise podcast. And last question, Janelle, strictly for fun, what are you watching on Netflix right now? So I I used to not be a TV watcher at all. Um, And then, I don't know, over the winter, my son said, hey, mom, let's find a TV show on Netflix that we want to watch together. (laughs) So um, we started Arrow, which is um, a superhero TV show. So very much appeals to my almost 13-year-old son. And we're a little bit addicted to it, even though my husband thinks it's the exact same storyline every show, which it pretty much is. But that's superheroes, right? There's a villain, they're defeated, move on. So, um, but it's very fun. And then my daughter and I around the same time started watching The 100, also super fun, um, kind of a dystopia type of show. But we caught up with all the seasons and now we have to wait weekly to catch the new one that comes out. And we're a little bit spoiled by Netflix and and don't like having to watch commercials (laughs) now. Totally. Okay. Well, I might have to come back to the 100. I remember giving that a look some time ago. Janelle, for listeners interested in your message and wanting to connect with you, what are the best ways for them to do that? You already mentioned um, my Twitter. I'm active on there. And my website is always is easy to find out more about the work that I do. And there's all kinds of contact information on my website. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I have a Facebook page. Um, I'm on Voxer. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I actually think LinkedIn doesn't get enough press among the education industry. Um, I I make much deeper connections through LinkedIn than I do Twitter even. So uh, check me out on LinkedIn if you're there. Um, hopefully I'll have a book out soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll look forward to that, Janelle. Hey, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your time with the podcast today. It's been great to connect with you in real time. We've had some offline communication already. And so this has been rich. Thank you so much. Take care and let's talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for joining me today here on the Teachers on Fire podcast. For show notes and links from this episode, visit teachersonfire.net. You can also follow the show at Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And again, please do subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Before we sign off today, I'd like to invite you to leave any questions, suggestions, or feedback to the show in the form of a voice message. You can do so by locating Teachers on Fire in the Anchor app, or if you're on Voxer, leave me a message at Tim Cavey. Either way, I'd be thrilled to hear from you and feature your message in a future episode. Teachers on Fire Nation, I have some exciting news to share. I've launched a new podcast called the Teacher Blogs Podcast, a podcast for teachers who have more time to listen to blog posts than to read them. Does that sound familiar? The mission of this podcast is to amplify the voices of education writers that are seen, read, but need to be heard. Last week's episodes featured No Room for Competition by Kelly Bahri, Fears and Worries by Susan Jehimiak, and I is for Imagine by Lynn Thomas. And your voice could be next. All you need to do is use your phone's voice memo app to record yourself reading your own blog post. I mentioned the voice memo app. That's sort of an iPhone reference. If you're on an Android, you can use other apps, including Google Keep. Then use the share button to email that voice file to teacherblogspodcast at gmail.com. I will take it from there and do my best to get you featured on the podcast. Uh, 
Response so far to this podcast has been positive and listenership has been growing each week. So if you're an education blog writer, this is an easy way to reach a larger audience and share your ideas in another form. I will also invite you to check out the Teachers on Fire magazine on Medium. This week featured a number of pieces. The One Strategy Every Substitute Teacher Should Know by Yancey Leal. Daddy's Favorites, a book review by Sam Fesich. The Best Piece of Advice I've Ever Gotten by Caitlin Giordano. 1986 Chernobyl and Authentic Learning by Coralie Mooney. And also by Coralie Mooney, The Hallway Meltdown, A Teacher's Anxiety Attack. And wow, was that a good story. The Teachers on Fire magazine is a Medium publication, and you'll find it on medium.com or on the Medium app. If you're already an education blogger in another space, consider joining our growing writing team. You can continue to publish content on your own blog, and you keep full credit and ownership of your content on Medium. Message me at Teachers on Fire on any social media platform for more details. I was thrilled to add those two new writers to the fold this week, Coralie Mooney and Yancey Leal. Both reached out to me on Twitter, just as I mentioned, and asked to be featured on the magazine. And since they each already had Medium accounts, it was easy to add them as writers. Both of these authors have already featured excellent writing, and I'm thankful to be able to include them. So welcome to you, Coralie and Yancey. I don't usually do this, but just before this podcast episode went out, Bob Bednar at B. Bednar was kind enough to shout out a quote from one of the pieces I wrote about a year ago on Medium, and I called it Staying Hungry. So encouraged by Bob, I'd like to share a sample of what I wrote at the time. And I hope for those of you going back to school this week or next week, maybe you might find this inspiring. I hope you do. There might have been a time early in my career when I envisioned the master teacher as an educator who had basically arrived. This was the teacher who held her students' attention with hypnotic powers, who oozed the sort of charisma that inspired incredible heights of work, creativity, and achievement, whose timeless classroom management systems had been tweaked to a state of permanent perfection, who drew from a bottomless well of instructional resources to locate a solution for every possible challenge, who personally knew every inch of their content area and whose expertise was legendary, who never made a mistake, never failed, who never felt embarrassed or frustrated. Today, there might be some shadows of that vision that I still strive for, but in actuality, I recognize that most of that picture is mere mythology. I now see that year-over-year consistency leads to stagnancy and that comfort breeds complacency. As I continue to grow as a professional, as I learn from my PLN, as I read Mindset by Carol Dweck or Professionally Driven by Jared Borman, I'm constantly reminded that we're all, all of us, on a continuous journey of growing, stretching, and learning. Even the best among us fail, miss the mark, pick ourselves up, and continue to learn, especially the best among us. And again, that was from a piece that I wrote about a year ago called Staying Hungry. And thanks again to Bob Bednar for shouting that one out. I hope that was encouraging to you. As so many of my listeners head back to school this week and next, I hope that quote ignites just a little bit more of your fire for teaching. Well, I mentioned Bob Bednar on Twitter, and now I'd like to shout out just a couple of others who encourage and support my work there. This week, after 
at Mama Wolf Tattoo, that's Jennifer Wolf, former guest on the show, thanked Logan Horton for following her. He responded, quote, anytime, enjoyed listening to you on the Teachers on Fire podcast. Thanks, Logan. Next, Izzy Worrell, and that's at I-Z-Z-Y, tweeted, quote, just out here listening to the Teachers on Fire podcast in an attempt to someday be as good of an educational leader as at Larry J. Wolf, end quote. Well, I'm not familiar with Larry J. Wolf, Izzy, but it sounds like maybe there's some inside information going on there. At any rate, I'm taking that as a compliment. I'm following you both, and I'm thankful that you are listening to the podcast. So I hope you will continue to join me going forward. And last but not least, at The Right Leader, many of you know him, he recently tweeted, guess what we're going to do or sorry, guess what we're going to continue to do at Mr. Noon's Teach at Teachers on Fire? We're going to connect, impact, scale, and with zero apologies. When it comes to our commitment to the people and to being a voice, you have now entered the hashtag zero apology zone. If you don't know Vernon Wright, there are few edu-thinkers on Twitter more exuberant and passionate about moving education and educators forward. I'm excited to share that Vernon has agreed to come on the Teachers on Fire podcast, so watch for him in a coming episode of the show as well. Thanks so much for the encouragement, Vernon, Izzy, and Logan. You three were the fuel to my fire this week. And if you have liked, retweeted, replied, engaged in any way to my stuff over there, I really, really appreciate it. I won't lie, Twitter is the heart and soul of the podcast. That's where I really live each day. I do spend some time on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and other places, but really, Twitter is my go-to. And so if you're not a, a Twitter fan, I'd encourage you to follow me there and let me know that you've just started on Twitter and I'll help you get started and maybe point you towards some great people and resources. One other event of note from Twitter, and I know I'm dragging out the Twitter section, so bear with me, but about a week ago, I put out a call to all of the educators who plan to a podcast with their students in the classroom this year, and that tweet got a great response. I now have 79 educators on my Twitter list, and I think I just called the list Podcasting in Classrooms. If you too are planning to podcast with students in the classroom this year, please tweet at Teachers on Fire and let me know that you want to be added to the list. Twitter lists are another great way to sort of find your tribe and stay connected with professionals around the world who are doing similar work for students. So I definitely recommend that you subscribe to the list as well, especially if you are doing that kind of work this year. That is it from me. Again, I'm your host, Tim Cavey, and I'm so grateful, truly grateful, that you decided to spend some of your day listening to this podcast. Let me just tell you, this week we broke some records. The podcast eclipsed the previous record for total downloads by more than 10%, so that is super encouraging and exciting for me kind of a reward and a thank you of sorts for the work that I'm doing here. So I hope that in some way the content you heard today from Janelle McLaughlin ignited your thinking and inspired your practice. And I'll meet you next week right here on the Teachers on Fire podcast. Take care.